Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Canadian RegTech Association's podcast. Today, we'll be discussing robotic process automation, or RPA, and how this bleeding edge technology can be utilized to drive change and efficiencies within organizations. My name is Myron Milliadere, and I'm your host today. By way of background, I'm a business lawyer at Miller Thompson and have significant experience supporting companies in the technology sector. I advise on domestic and international mergers and acquisitions, corporate finance, venture capital investments, and complex technology transactions relating to cybersecurity, AI, fintech, and blockchain. I focus on distilling complex legal issues into practical advice, which supports my clients' growth. So for those of you who don't know, the Canadian RegTech Association is a not-for-profit organization focused on solving regulatory challenges through collaborative efforts between key RegTech stakeholders. These include regulated entities, technology vendors, regulatory bodies, and government and professional service providers. Joining me for today's episode is Benjamin Jacob and Patrick Morrison. Benjamin is a partner at IBM and leads the IBM automation practice in Canada. He works across all industries and sectors to help clients scale their automation programs, so to optimize benefits and ensure a resilient business which is ready for growth opportunities. Benjamin brings a vast range of IT industry and leadership experience with companies such as Sun Microsystems, Oracle, Symantec, and most recently, IPsoft. Patrick is an executive vice president at Stereologic and head of sales for Canada and Europe. He has over 25 years of experience in delivering high impact strategic digital transformation solutions and outcomes. He has experience in business transformation, credit risk management, strategic planning and program delivery, performance management, as well as operations outsourcing, cloud and software solutions. He has held various executive positions at a number of organizations, including CIBC, FICO, Bearing Point, Sierra Systems, EDS, and Oracle. So Patrick and uh, Benjamin bring a wealth of knowledge to today's discussion, so we're lucky to have them here. Benjamin and Patrick, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Myron. Thanks for having us. Thanks a lot. Fantastic. Great, so I, I guess we can kick off this discussion uh, with a bit of an overview of uh, RPA or robotic process automation. Uh, I'm sure Benjamin and Patrick, you'll speak more to this, but in a nutshell, RPA is a tool which can automate repetitive rules-based processes, usually performed manually, and is governed by structured data inputs and not human inputs or chat. Uh, the type of tasks RPA typically focuses on are those that would traditionally be extremely time-consuming, and through utilizing RPA, organizations can reduce cycle time and lower their costs and increase efficiency. So to what potential can RPA be utilized? Well, according to a recent article published by PwC on work activities, 45% uh, of these could be automated. And this automation could save approximately $2 trillion in global workforce costs. So there's significant upside to the adoption of this technology. The risk, though, and some of the challenges, which we'll get into, is a lack of understanding of how RPA can be utilized, as it's not suitable for all tasks. And you need buy-in from all necessary stakeholders. 
Really, our goal here today is to demystify some of these misconceptions and provide strategies to overcome these challenges. So now we know what it is. Uh, maybe we can have a, a discussion, Benjamin and uh, Patrick, and you can jump in and let us know some of the ways in which you see RPA being utilized within organizations in the context of regulatory compliance. Yeah, for sure. So this is Benjamin, just so I guess our audience gets to familiar with my voice. Um, one area that we're actually working with some of our clients on, and in particular in re regulatory compliance, is in the actual compliance testing area. So um, in one situation with a, a large Canadian bank, what IBM was able to do is just help the client re-envision how they could use automation to handle um, the work that a lot of their, um, their staff were doing. Um, you know, the, the obvious things that a lot of organizations start to look at are the, the time savings that go into it. So in this case, we, we think we can save a significant amount of time. We're talking taking something that might taking several hours and whittling it down to minutes. But the real opportunity is to actually drive some real consistency to ensure there's a, a consistent quality um, and to actually expand the reach of the testing team. They're limited in their capability to be able to test, um, you know, branch by branch, if you will, in some situations. And this allows them to actually have much greater capacity than they'd otherwise be able to have. So that's just one example. We're seeing uh, a lot of examples and interests coming from, in general, say finance and accounting. And uh, with one of our clients in the energy sector, we actually identified about 57,000 man hours of, business, of uh, savings for them. But what I found was interesting in that situation, Myron, was that we did a, um, a set of automations for them within their cash flow forecasting. And beyond just savings of time, we actually were able to reduce their cash contingency balance by about $25 million in a given quarter, just because they're operating that much more effectively. Wow, that's, uh, that's definitely uh, a lot of improvement there, Benjamin. That's very interesting. Yeah, I can, I can add some clarifications too. I think something that, that's really important to realize is that um, it's, robotics is merely attempting to take the mundane repetitive tasks that people are typically, they must do, kind of to perform their, their duties correctly and efficiently, efficiently right? And, and basically to ensure that they're following a prescribed policy that the management has put in place. And typically that's sort of meet some compliance or legal obligation, reporting, whatever. So wherever there's actually humans actively working on a system or a process, that's where the opportunities lie for robotics, right? And, and there's lower value items, sometimes mundane, you know, repetitive things. They don't have to be very uh, complicated. In fact, uh, in most cases, it's, it's stuff that people really don't like doing. Um, and so the people can, it frees them up or empowers the people to do more high value, often more enjoyable work, you know, such as speaking to the customers or, or analyzing the data versus collecting the data and so on. And so an example we're finding um, pretty useful is, well, across any operations, really, um, there's, we're finding on average a 30% savings of, of um, just the process inefficiencies. But in one area in the risk space is in the financial investigations units. So, you know, Canadian banks are, are, are spending millions of dollars on advanced analytic systems, and they've been hiring many, many investigators to, to track down cases um, uh, in, from these systems that they, get, they sort of get fed by the systems. And, and each person, <clears throat> what we have found in our 
in our studies and our analysis is that no two people kind of approach things the same, even though uh, most businesses are supposed to be fairly standardized. Um, you will find that in most cases, there will be a, a vast difference in the way things are going. So being able to, to, to um, get the process understood fully and to be able to help align everybody to a certain best practice can really help save a lot of things. But then being able to identify where those times are being spent where you could put robotics in place is where you're going to get huge savings. In this space, we've had up to 80% savings in some uh, in one bank in particular in the U.S. where, where the investigators were able to save 80% on the process. So uh, it's pretty huge. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah, and I, I know there's uh, good applications more in the, uh, the internal compliance controls as well. I think it's, uh, it has huge potential in that space. And I'm, I'm glad to hear some of the examples of, of how well it's doing as well and the, the success stories uh, both of you have seen. So that's great to see. I guess, uh, I guess the flip side to, to these success stories is, is where are you both seeing uh, these implementations of RPA programs fail? And, and is there any kind of trend in where or what stage of uh, deployment or development you're seeing these fail? In? Yeah, um, maybe I'll, I'll take a stab at that. It's Benjamin here. Um, I tend to see three key themes uh, emerge when it comes to the struggles that organizations have with, and I'll just call them automation programs in general. RPA is one form of automation. There's other technologies as well. Uh, the first one is just a category where they, they haven't started. And a lot of times the organization has said, we just don't see the return on investment. They haven't started, they haven't been able to identify that, or when they do the, the rough math, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. And in those situations, what I've found is usually they've done some sort of analysis which unfortunately takes into consideration some of the extreme complexities and maybe they're not starting in the right spot. So there's no doubt from our perspective that automation can bring benefit to the organization. So when an organization isn't seeing the ROI, my usual um, suspicion is that the initial use cases they were targeting may not be the right ones for their, uh, for their real benefit. Um, the second one is where they've actually started, but they're not getting the right support or they're not getting the right um, uh, confidence in what automation can do for them. And again, this might be a situation where choosing the wrong types of use cases, maybe the organization is just not ready for these or their under, underlying technologies aren't ready um, for this type of automation. Um, or another one that's kind of an interesting challenge is um, the program, the automation program that is, is being viewed as a job killer program. And in these situations, their staff members are really kind of showing some resistance to wanting to get these programs to work. They're not getting the right data points. So it becomes a real challenge for organizations to try to figure out how can they actually bring these programs in. And key there is to make sure that we've got um, the employees realizing, you know, this isn't targeted towards removing them. It's targeted towards removing the mundane work, like Patrick was saying. And then the final category I'd say is the, the companies that have started, they've started to see some success, but they really aren't scaling beyond maybe their department or their business unit. And this is where starting to look across enterprise and starting to have a much more holistic program view of how automation can work for the entire organization, it becomes really important. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's interesting. That's some really good points too as well. I think we have a bit of a human friction as well as a planning as well as, as if I could just uh, surmise what you were saying there, Benjamin, it's, those seem to be the more critical ones. Patrick, do you, do you want to add some uh, color to that too as well? 
think um, from a stereologic perspective, we tend to get called in, we're, we're getting called into a lot of RPA programs now, and it's not only by the customer, it's also by the RPA vendors and practitioners themselves, you know, because despite the fact that like RPA has been in existence now for many years, but a lot of companies have had, um, you know, sanctioned programs for the past 18 to 24 months. And as Benjamin said, they're not getting the ROI and, and, and it's become very, very clear that, you know, unless they start getting the ROI, the budgets are not sustainable. So what we have found is the challenge is typically the, uh, there, there's obviously some resistance and messaging around robotics in general, but, but that can be managed. I think the, the, the actual task of the upfront discovery phase for a project is where firms are, you know, they're sending in little armies of consultants, uh, uh, that, that kind of have to map things out and try and get it accurate and, and they're disrupting the, the, the workforce and causing a lot of uh, friction in that way and, and not able to glean exact process, um, the, the details and the task mining that's required in order for you to accurately put something in place. And that, that seems to be the, the, uh, the real challenge. Um, you know, like I, I look at the friction and the messaging. Well, carpenters used to use hammers, if you remember the day when they go on a billing site and they'd hammer all day. And now they got hydraulic uh, guns to, to shoot nails into the wood. And, and no one's complaining about it, right? It's, it, they don't have any aches and pains on their elbows anymore. And, and so robotics can sort of be kind of looked at in that way when you put them in the right spaces and to try and alleviate the pain that people are going through in the process um, space. So. I think um, you know being able to shrink that time up front is a critical success factor for being able to improve the way robotics is done. Get the discovery right. Make sure you actually have identified exactly where the return on investment can be derived, and and then um, and then be able to prioritize the robots in uh, you know in a certain way that makes sense for your business. And then you'll have sustainability in your funding. You'll have rewards. You know. You see the teams are coming on board because they're seeing their work is getting uh, easier or better. They're actually in, in, attaining targets that have been set. You know, some of the targets are pretty high um, and, and very tough. And now that people are dispersed, it's even tougher. So um, being able to have some help from robotics will really alleviate a lot of that stress and pain and, and start meeting targets that people are needing for, are needing for their business. So um, just- Yeah, no. Yeah, those are those are good points, and I think I think you, you're hitting the nail on the head there is with the uh, uh, and to use your your building analogy there too as well is uh, is the planning stage and and really um, road mapping how it's going to perform, and I think that's absolutely critical for businesses and uh, and vendors too. When uh, when from what I see from papering these transactions to make sure everyone knows what's being built and, and all of those specs are built into those, uh, those agreements and, and are built into the minds of the key stakeholders too. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a, a good solution. If I, could, if I could expand one little comment is that the mm. feedback we tend to get a lot of is that the frustration from the companies like Benjamin's you know, um, team, et cetera, where the money runs out before they're able to get into the real meat. And it's because the discovery phase since tends to take so long and, and it's very time consuming. And, um, and if you're able to keep the money for the robotics and sort of shrink the time for the discovery upfront, that really would help 
make it a much more successful endeavor, I think. Yeah, start getting the savings as early as you can, yeah. and benefits as early as you can. Don't try to- Showing that quickly, because otherwise it's uh, it's it's very tough to, to contain. Yeah, 100% agree with you there, Patrick. Okay, fantastic. No, that makes sense. That's great to hear. So um, I guess some of these risks can be in, you've kind of, uh, we've kind of summarized some of the discussion here, but some of these risks can be uh, a bit catastrophic to adoption as well. Um, what kind of strategies, aside from moving past the discovery stage, would you suggest uh, to overcome some of these risks? Yeah, well, um, maybe just a couple of thoughts. I really like the analogy you gave, Patrick, uh, with the house building and, and carpentry. Uh, I think the first thing I'd start with is start with an overall vision, like have a plan and have, have a, and I mean vision truly. Um, what does that future organization look like? Um, don't be limited by what you believe the technology can do, right? Like a, um, a house designer doesn't think about how well a carpenter can, can wield a hammer or a saw. They think about the vision of the home. And so if you start with that and think about how that impacts your organization, we have a saying at IBM, we say, think big and start small. So you'll be able to start on that journey then, and you won't limit yourself with, um, with what the, perhaps the capability is of any particular tool that you're looking at is, because the reality is there's a number of different technologies we can start to employ to really start to drive towards um, the solutions that you seek. Um, I think another thing we touched on it briefly is the employee engagement factor. Um, you know, understanding that this needs to be positioned properly in the organization. And in parallel with that is thinking about what that future role will look like. So just using the same example, um, you're planning home building now, you're able to now build homes faster um, than you could in the past with uh, hammers and nails with these nail guns, right? So that's a, a way of thinking about it and really realizing how you can start to get more benefit for the organization. Um, so look at it holistically across the entire business so you're not uh, duplicating efforts, you can reuse work, you really start to minimize costs. A lot of these software um, tools like RPA, um, Patrick, you'd know this, right, Myron, they're, they're licensed by the, the bot itself, so that the amount of automations you're creating really directly correlates to how much you're spending on licenses. So you want to make sure you're smart with how you're deploying them, you're not doing things, you know, two different departments aren't doing the exact same thing, so having some consistency is really important. I can't... Uh, stress enough, I think the planning stages are important. Measure twice, quote once, to use the same analogy. Um, you may not be perfect out of the gate, but you'll be able to avoid some unnecessary problems and uh, that we've seen before at other organizations. Yeah, um, Patrick here, the, the measure twice, cut once is really important, I think. And, and that comes down to having a very clear and accurate understanding of, of your current process. And that's you know, the, the first measurement is, yeah, we need to put robotics in place. So the second is you've got to leverage some technologies that can truly identify where the, the time is being spent across the entire process end to end and identify what makes sense injecting robotics, right? Typically it's the most repetitive, mundane, but timely activities. And, and you got to remember that, that these activities are all, uh, they have, they're important. They've got to be properly executed every single time. Right in the risk space, in the compliance space, you know, and financial crime space, this is uh, reputational risk is on the line. There's there's bad guys out there doing bad things, and and you don't want them to slip through the cracks. So so it's really important that you you number one have a very clear view of of the process, and then you leverage the technology that can help you, and then you know that the latest uh, sort of implementation approaches. You start small. You do an agile scrum. They call it. 
where you, you sort of identify two or three processes and you start with them and you feed them through the process uh, into the dev teams, whatever tools you're using for that implementation, and then you monitor it and uh, post implementation for tweaks, right? It doesn't have to be perfect first time. Everyone's trying to get perfection, et cetera. So start small, uh, get some wins, make it work, get a process in place that you can build on and move to the next process or the next process. And, and I think that, uh, you know, with the successes comes uh, celebrations and, and celebrations are going to make people come on board. No, exactly. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's completely correct, uh, Patrick, too, as well. I know a, a big issue is, and you, you kind of touched on this, is what happens when the, uh, when the system itself goes awry um, and the, or if the technology is in itself incorrectly programmed or there's a regulatory change. I think it's, it's important in this space, in the reg tech space, to, to ensure that the RPA is, is churning out the correct documents and information and processes because it's essentially repeating the same issue too as well. So again, when looking at a, a, a service provider customer relationship, it's, it's working out who's responsible for that within the contract or whatever means and, and just making sure that you're covered and the same, the service provider protecting themselves as well and not over promising if, if they've received, um, benefits or communications or it's built on standards from the the customer itself so all of that makes sense yeah yeah going back to the hammer and nail uh, analogy you know um humans are going to hit their thumb humans are going to hit the wood and ruin a, a beautiful piece of wood every now and again mistakes happen um so some things are very critical and you need to make sure that they're done 100 percent correctly every time and, and robotics can allow you to do those those critical things uh double check uh, the human a little bit where where they don't have to bend the nail or pull it out and try again or whatever uh, and so it does make it a lot more um, uh, accurate and correct and so that reporting and stuff that's critical in business today um, I guess can be attested much more easily the audits are much easier uh, ideally that's the vision I think that uh, Benjamin was talking about is that we've got to try and simplify things it's getting very complex right so so let's let's try and let's try and um, take that complexity if we can and simplify it in some way. Actually, yeah. an interesting point, Patrick, is um, that what we're finding now is some clients are preferring robotics over um, just having their teams have to do these repetitive activities to avoid all the potential for error or mistakes because that will happen. And what's interesting is, you know, um, you know, in some examples, you know, a little bit uh, outside of the regulatory environment, but when you're dealing with, say, as an example, a contact center, um, contact center agents often have to work with multiple applications at the same time, all the while, while they're trying to support a client in a, you know, positive and friendly fashion. Well, you know, mistakes can be made when they're trying to input data onto multiple systems. So a lot of times organization will have, you know, um, systems in place or people in place to double check the work. Well, um, we've implemented this on uh, several occasions now where we actually use robotics to actually propagate all the information they need one time into all those systems. So it never gets, you know, mistakenly typed. Um, you never get, you know, juxtaposition of characters or numbers and a person's address or a, a credit card number or what have you, whatever the situation might be. And what we're finding is it just frees up that agent to not worry about all these different things they have to talk about and really have a good conversation with their customer and focus on delighting that client. So that's just one example. And we can certainly find, I'm sure, more um, very specific to, to regulatory. Absolutely. 
Yeah. yeah, no, that's that's it. I know we're running a bit short on time, so let's uh, let's move on to I think one of the more uh, uh, timely questions. And Patrick, I know we were we were chatting about this uh, beforehand too, as well as some of the key challenges um, with the application and adoption of of RPA is the is the human challenges and the interaction between humans and RPA systems. Um, I, I'm wondering if you, either of you can uh, lend some uh, discussion and maybe we'll start with you first, Patrick, about how to keep these interactions aligned and compliant with an organization's business process. Okay, um, well, I, I would say that I, I'm not sure there's really a challenge there. I think that, um, you know, sure the carpenters may have complained about the hydraulic compressed hammers when they, when they first came on the site and they were asked to do a lot more, a lot faster and, and that, but but you know the fact their elbows, as I said, didn't hurt anymore it was a good thing, right? So, if the robotics is is in there relieving the the team, um, helping them to actually achieve goals that you know it's it's sometimes I'm not sure if you've ever actually spent time in a in a back office operation or in some of these places that the teams are pushed pretty hard, you know, and and so. Um, being able to have a team member join that's able to get all that stuff done for you and, and inject it into your process so you can actually attain those goals that you weren't able to do before as a human team. You now have a couple of extra players like the Pele's and soccer analogy or whatever. Um, it, it helps to boost the morale. It might help to, to uh, obviously when you start seeing the business doing better, et cetera. You've got it. It's all about the messaging and how you're going to, to inject these robots, uh, robotics into the, into the process and the team, but, but um, yeah, I, I think a lot of it comes down to the messaging and then um, monitoring what's going on and being able to show demonstrable sort of improvements in the process and, and where, where things used to be frustrating and so much friction, we've been able to eliminate that and cut this time out. And now our cues, if you call it, talk about call centers, Cues used to be an hour. I, I read an IBM paper just uh, last week from Michael Tang, and he was saying that in banking, in, in banking now the queues are sometimes up to four hours. Like, can you imagine with people being distributed, so much more challenging, and and uh, and and being able to help reduce those queues, getting back to focusing on the customer, and helping that customer to alleviate their pain in dealing with your company. That's what it should be. The messaging should be about. So. If everyone gets focused on the customer, um, the, the robots are just extra super helpful team members that can help with that. And you have to be able to monitor how it's going and see, uh, like you mentioned, systems are continuously changing. So there's always going to have to be some tweaking that takes place and, uh, and, and, and having some oversight mechanism in place where you can, can monitor on a continuous basis how the process is running um, is, 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 I think, a critical part. No, that's that's very interesting, and I think uh, I think uh, that that summarizes that uh, that point well about what strategies are available. I guess we can move on to the uh, uh, the final question today, which relates to uh, innovation in the field of RPA. So we've seen some innovation occur with uh, such as cognitive RPA, which the RPA tools and solutions leverage artificial intelligence technologies such as optical character recognition or machine learning. Um, so that's one area we've seen this innovation. What other areas are you seeing and which ones seem the most promising uh, in this field? Uh, I'll turn to um, uh, you, Benjamin, and, and get your take on that. 
I think one of the most exciting areas that I see is where we, we just touched on this, is uh, interaction with, with people. That could be with employees or customers. Um, but we're able to really change the entire experience that we have with, uh, with our, again, our employees or our clients. And, and by that, I mean, you know, we can now reimagine how we work with them in the sense that what was previously maybe a process that might take a day, you phone in, you ask a question, you have some information you provide, and the next day, someone will get back to you. Well, now, if we're able to take all that data that we have and all these systems and link them together using these automation technologies, we now have a way to actually give almost instant response to a person, again, whether it's an employer or a, a client. And we start to actually give them the, what they've always been looking for, right? So even in, in a large enterprises where you may have legacy systems, a little bit trickier to sometimes do this versus some of these newer, more nimble corporations, this technology allows us to start to stitch together those, those uh, systems allows us to do it in a compliant fashion. Um, it's consistently recording everything it's doing. You won't skip a step, it's completely audible. So it's, it's really an opportunity for us to reimagine how we can actually interact with uh, all the different stakeholders and all the different um, clients that we, we have. One of the key things too is also leveraging, you just touched on artificial intelligence. I think as we start to um, reimagine how work can be done, new technologies like augmented reality might start to come into play. Um, using the data that we now have access to within all these systems in a real-time fashion, we can start making real-time decisions. Um, so it's not just about just following current processes. I think it's really about reimagining how we can actually um, serve our clients and employees better. Fantastic. Benjamin, thank you very much. And uh, thanks to both yourself and Patrick and uh, uh, for a very insightful conversation. Um, I know this is a podcast, but if you could see me, I was nodding along the whole way. So it's always good when you, you enjoy the discussion too as well. And I think we've touched on some of the, the very interesting and uh, great opportunities with RPA and, and some of the strategies to, to avoid that. So thank you. No, it was fun. Appreciate yeah, thank you. the opportunity. Great stuff. Well, thanks everyone for listening to the Canadian Red Tech Association's podcast. If you like our show, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our upcoming episodes where we will discuss emerging red tech solutions and current trends in the industry.